Peace be upon you and welcome to another edition of Pathway to Peace, a show where we take an analytical look at how we can achieve peace, whether that be political peace, economic peace, societal peace, or perhaps the most elusive of them all, inner peace. Today, if we relied on mainstream media, then I think it's fair to say that one could be left quite puzzled, perplexed about what's occurred and how accurate the story is, or even panicked because of the reoccurring nature of breaking news. When we turn, our, turn, to, turn to our television screens and watch the news, we are presented with a perspective which may or may not be an official position, depending on perhaps where in the world we live and depending on whom is presenting it. There's been a popular move in recent years in the role of citizen journalists. A citizen journalist is a person recording and presenting what is happening on the ground. They're able to do this by utilising the ability to stream straight to the public via social media. Amongst the younger generations, we are seeing that social media news is favoured over one, uh, you know, over what might be considered uh, more traditional journalism. So today on the Pathway to Peace, we wanted to discuss the notion of establishing truth in a world where it is challenging to recognise it and how truth must be a prerequisite to justice and peace. We'll explore questions like why does there appear to be mistrust of traditional media outlets when pitched against perhaps social media platforms these days? Are the media perpetuating particular narratives, and if so, why? You know, does the media, in fact, have any leverage to play you know, a role in fueling conflict? And throughout, we also want to reflect on the Islamic position on speaking and presenting the truth, as surely it's a pathway to peace. My name is Sabiha Iqbal. I'm a university chaplain, and today, joining me to discuss this topic and its encompassing issues is Melissa Ahmadi, a mother of two and trained secondary religious studies teacher. Welcome, Melissa. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you. Welcome, Sam. Thank you for having me. So let's start off by looking at the media um, in all its forms and the importance of eliciting accurate information. So in your own context, perhaps you could share with us, you know, what media do you engage with most and why? Just on your day-to-day, -day, you know, what do you use the most? I think for me, mostly it's social media. Um, and on social media, I do follow traditional mainstream media as well. Mm -hmm. like citizen journalists and and such as well but I think that's that in particular citizen journalists has been really helpful for me to see what's going on um in the world in real time mm -hmm. um obviously I don't claim to be a political expert by any stretch but I do feel like it's important for me to have access to what I think is the closest thing that I can achieve to accurate information and mm -hmm. also from different points of view as well whether it's a traditional mainstream media outlet or not um mm -hmm. for me that that's having that variation is really important yeah and I suppose you access um, media in different ways as well so um you know do you use uh, do you access it through your phone or through other means yeah so it's mostly on my phone I'll be honest um because the kids take over the tv so <laughs> for me it's all it's all on my phone now um yeah. but that is useful as well because I can if I need to find something out yeah. Um, I can go on different apps and stuff on my phone and that's that's quite useful for me. Yeah, and so much has become more accessible as well. And um, through my role um, as a university chaplain, you know, we've certainly turned to um, using social media and social media platforms more and more over the years. Um, you know, there is, you know, the, the ability to be able to um, vary how we actually communicate through our social media platforms. It's more attractive as well. And so we tend to use social media more than perhaps, um, you know, putting up posters or, um, you know, putting something in, in the university magazine 
magazine or newspaper and so on. So we've we've also shifted towards using social media more. Um, and, you know, that access to it as well, I suppose it depends where you live, where you're from in the world as well, as to what sort of medium is available to you. Um, and I think it's... Um, by and large, social media seems to be easily accessible and free as well. And so I think yeah. it's, it's been used more. I think so. I suppose you've kind of touched on it, but where do you sort of look to for your current affairs, like for you individually, maybe not not in a workspace, just for you personally? Yeah, so I suppose growing up, you know, the kind of traditional media outlets were television, uh, the radio. Radio I probably engaged with more now, um, I think as I've grown older. But I suppose when I was younger, it wasn't something that I'd engage with so much. But newspaper, definitely. And I think newspaper particularly because it was, there used to be a free newspaper um, that was delivered to the house, the Herald and Post. And um, that was the way to kind of find out more about what was happening locally as well as in the kind of wider county. It had sections on entertainment and and sports as well but inherently as, as it's a newspaper it was the place that I'd go to to be able to learn about current affairs and what was what was happening um, but I think times have changed uh, you know quite significantly and with global events as well and technology changing you know I can understand uh, you know why social media is easier and we've all got it individually as well so as you said earlier you don't have to share it so much and that that kind of information is quickly easily um, in multiple languages available at your fingertips and um, so I think that's why more of us have turned to that medium um, and it's important I think to understand how that's actually shifted um, our understanding of the world as well um, that's shifted mm -hmm. quite significantly because everything's quite quick as you said you know you get it in real yeah. time um, so things have changed quite a lot I think as a result of that. Mm -hmm. um, let's uh, maybe talk a little bit more about um, those traditional media outlets, you know, why do you think that there appears to be some mistrust of those um, media outlets? You know, we, you said earlier about, you know, the importance of accurate news. And so where do you go for authentic and accurate news? Yeah, it's a difficult one because I think we're seeing more and more that the full truth is often um, kept out of the mainstream media mm. due to either vested interests or materialistic reasons. Mm -hmm. or um, ultimately power uh, um, and who is in control of that but this isn't like it's not a new thing it's not since the phenomenon of social media this has sort of always happened mm -hmm. um, and I would say most major outlets they have their own agenda depending on how they're funded or whether they do represent a wider political standpoint like mm -hmm. for example is that is that particular outlet is it funded by the state Mm -hmm. um, and in which case, if yes, then that can also be a way of um, an avenue to corruption as well. Um, and it's kind of if that's what the state wants you to believe, then you have to ask yourself, well, why would the state want me to believe the, mm -hmm. these certain things? Um, and I think also in terms of like times of conflict, the truth can often be twisted or exaggerated mm. or deliberately questioned, actually, to such a degree where people wonder actually what is the truth like it makes you doubt yes if the yeah. truth if, if the truth is presented and it makes you doubt it to such a degree then you question yourself almost so I feel like your own conscience all... starts to kick in as yeah. to what you know what what you're able to I suppose understand um are there any kind of subliminal messages you know you start reading yeah. between the lines yep mm-hmm yeah you're almost second guessing yourself as like even if your gut feeling says that something might be true then you're wondering in your mind, yeah, actually, is this true anymore? Um, mm. But I feel like to find authentic news, 
people have to you have to use your own wisdom you have to use your own judgment and try your best to seek it from a variety of different places a variety of sources and outlets and listening as well to different people mm-hmm. um I would say one thing that's important is speaking to others in whatever circles you're in so whether it's work university or neighbors um about current affairs and that can often give you an alternative perspective as well and mm-hmm. I think you know what I was saying before about um a lot of people can exist quite easily within an echo chamber of the mm. same opinions um and i think having your viewpoints challenged is also quite an important thing especially when it comes to where we get our information from yeah no i agree i think it's really important and that i suppose goes in line with with my work and i'm sure it's uh, you know in terms of teaching as well on your side of work it's important yeah. um when it comes to development you know our kind of personal development our professional development it's important to be continuously learning um and it's important to kind of have access to the the, the breadth of um knowledge knowledge not just in the form of um you know perhaps textbooks and so on but also like you said opinions and different people's thoughts as well and um i yeah. think for me my line of work i encourage that quite a lot as a chaplain um because it's important to speak to one another um to learn about one another and kind of build those bridges between one another and focus on on things which kind of you know bring you together on that common word it's really really important um but i think um sometimes it feels as though um the media that we are learning from that we're watching listening to um can sometimes narrow that um that vision that we might have or that view that we might have um of others around us and it's really really important to continuously challenge that learning um and i think that you know today uh with world events as well it's it's important uh, to know uh h- how is it that you know you can make that distinction between um what's accurate perhaps or what's truthful um it's something that is really hard and i think to to start from that starting point to just understand actually it's, it's really quite challenging it's really quite difficult and things which are out there um you know can uh have been manipulated um just because something's gone viral you know it doesn't mean yeah. that it's, it's accurate it doesn't mean that it's it's something which um needs to be kind of accepted it still needs to be challenged and just because something's gone viral because lots of people have looked at it liked it followed it shared it shouldn't mean, therefore be a statement of you know how authentic that news is or authentic that that story is or authentic that image is um and i think it can be really really hard to decipher these days uh, in it's terms so of you know what's authentic um you mentioned a little bit about citizen journalism earlier and that you follow some citizen journalists as well do you want to talk a little bit more about that yeah i was just i was just going to add to what you just said firstly about how i feel like as a chaplain and also in teaching as well mm-hmm. they both encourage um the people that they work with whether it's students um or otherwise mm-hmm. to think crit- critically Yes. So if they're facing a problem or if um, they're having a debate, so for me, uh, being an RS religious studies teacher before, mm-hmm. um, and you're trying to encourage the students to think of, okay, so you've got one side of the, the argument and you've got another side yeah. and you need to you need to use those critical skills, critical yeah. thinking skills in order to actually challenge the other person's opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think this is such an important thing because you know what we were saying about the echo chamber? It's so easy to think that, you know, I'm I'm right and, you know, and you can walk around life thinking that you're always right. But actually, 
if you're not if you're not ever challenged or you're not taught to think in a critical way where you're okay with being challenged and actually you know our opinions can change as well by learning about whether it's conflicts or things in the news Mm -hmm. continually we're we're allowed to change our minds as well Mm -hmm. um I think that's such that's quite an important point as well between the professions it's part of growth isn't it and it's part of that growth mindset that we're encouraged to have as well it's a really good point that you made really appreciate that um so there's reporting um we've talked a little bit about news reports and um from different outlets you know so if you think about traditional outlets as well as social media but we're i think we're in a world where i suppose we're worried about this quite a lot um Mm. is there such a thing as reporting without an agenda um with no bias or prejudice you know towards certain groups you know is there such a thing as just plain speaking truth and stating the facts that's such a good question i think it is possible to achieve the truth when there's no other vested interests at play but Mm. in in actual the reality of the situation is that this actually hasn't happened yet um Mm. so maybe the role of citizen journalists is probably the closest thing or the clearest example right now about authentic on the ground reporting whether it's in a war zone or otherwise um but even then sometimes um you know positions may be compromised um depending on um you know what's happened what's the background or the context or the reason why that person might be recording what's going on so i think everything can be manipulated i think Mm -hmm. that's that's the tricky thing um and i think in polarized conflicts where there might be two opposing narratives or or more than two Mm -hmm. or about what's happening on the ground it is important to establish what the facts are and take in all the sources of information to get a clearer picture about what's going on from different perspectives. Yeah. Um, I mean, the ideal, obviously, would be that the facts alone were presented and then people can then make up their own opinion about what is happening. Um, but the reality is that everyone has a bias and the underpinning of the media, it should be running under the principles of absolute justice and absolute mm. truth. Um, irrespective of whatever the consequences might be for speaking or reporting the truth that that should be the underpinning of it and this Mm. is actually something that islam promotes as well Mm. um for for muslims we have um this concept of speaking the straightforward word or the arabic term is called and this is in chapter 33 of the holy quran Mm. and this basically means um you know when we speak we should speak honestly and we should speak accurately um, and another important point about this particular concept is that things are said and done appropriately at the right time, mm-hmm. taking into account um, people's sensitivities or whatever's going on. What is the context of of that particular issue? Yeah. Um, for example, speaking in anger is something that Islam does not promote, for example. Um, no. So that's maybe one example. But the underpinning of it all should be an absolute justice and especially if someone is scared to speak out on things that perhaps they feel they have little knowledge on. Uh, the whole concept of absolute justice is irrespective of whatever ne- perceived negative consequences there might mm. be of someone saying something, um, the underpinning of it should be that it is truthful and yeah. accurate. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's not just something which is um, uh, only that you find within Islam. I think the teachings mm-hmm. of that are in other faiths as well, actually. Absolutely, um, yeah. You know, even in the Ten Commandments, um, you know, it's mentioned about, um, you know, not not being dishonest, not lying, um, and yeah. the importance towards uh, telling the truth. And I think that it's really important that 
actually in terms of um the structure that islam provides that it's it's such a blessing that this guidance is there and it's there in the holy quran for us um but actually i think if we look um you know more widely as well that actually the guidance is there it's about how we apply it um you know in our day-to-day lives as well something that we might see as in terms of religious text how do we then apply it to our day-to-day life and actually what it's calling us to do is is to speak truth you know in in everything that we do um and it's, i think it's really important um and i i'm glad that you touched upon like the point about um the kind of vested interests that you know different organizations might have which might lead them to have an agenda as well it's um i remember his um his holiness uh, our current khalifa um of the amj muslim community as it was um mentioning how actually positive change is only possible if one is willing to set aside their personal interests for the greater good and is willing to act fairly at all times um and it's 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 a it's a foundation um you know that islam is built on uh, of, of justice like you've said um so thank you for sharing that um who is responsible do you think uh, for producing media and that we consume and how does the ownership you know kind of impact dissemination and output i think um those who produce the agenda whether it's private organizations or companies um and this has always been the case it's not a new thing um they sort of they, they fuel um what can be described as a propaganda machine mm. um of sensationalism or sensationalist news and then this would then in turn promote a particular narrative depending on whatever the interests are and it also depends on where in the world you live as well as Mm -hmm. to what sort of um bias might be at play um i mean i know people personally who refuse to engage with any news stemming from a particular individual corporation because of um maybe the tabloids or the divisions that it's created or allowed for in society Mm -hmm. um which is probably an important thing that we should be mindful about where, you know, what's the root source of where our news is coming from. And I think particularly when damaging narratives can become disseminated in the mainstream, whether it's um, about race or culture, mm. um, which stirs this division on purpose, I think the result is obviously very, very negative. You know, community relations break down. There can become a distrust, which is what we're talking generally of, of um not just the media, but also of certain communities of people. And mm. this is all, this all comes back to how things are positioned or framed within the media itself and how certain stories can be emphasized and highlighted and perhaps other stories might be sidelined or maybe not even reported because of um, what the potential issue might be or, or who, who is the, um, the oppressed or who might be the, the oppressor. So yeah. I think this is this is something underpinning that that core principle of absolute justice. Yeah, well. I think that's such a valid point. But actually, it's not sometimes just about what is reported; it's what doesn't get said, what doesn't get yeah. airtime, what doesn't get published and printed. Um, that actually, sometimes it feels as though there is um, a lot of negativity around certain um, news stories, and the, the, there is also a counter narrative, and there's also a positive. A new story, you know, and actually that gets such little space and time. Um, and I know um, His Holiness, is, uh, you know, the Amdi Muslim community, uh, the Khalifa Amdi Muslim community, has repeatedly mentioned that actually in his in his speeches and lectures as well um, at different national peace symposiums um, that have been held uh, through the Amdi Muslim community, which hopefully we'll listen to it in a few moments' time. Um, so let's move forward. Um, 
Do you think that all uh, sources of news and information are valid? Um, different outlets produce news on the same event sometimes. So, you know, there's different lenses that see people see things through. How do you think that we can determ- determine what's real and what is fake? You know, how do we actually know that? I think um, we don't actually know for sure what is real and what is fake, which makes it quite difficult. Mm. But we can try our best to be more informed about events from listening to both sides of any conflict or news story I think having this balance is important yeah I think Um, misinformation isn't really a new phenomenon and I think it's been you know around um for for quite some time so fake news or you know kind of misinformation if we frame it that way um you know it's been around for a long long time and it's also been used in terms of being a tool of war as well I mean or kind of encouraging um I suppose or uh adding fuel to the fire in terms of conflict. Um, and I think um, in a completely in modern times, or I suppose more recently, uh, we're also seeing kind of this um, artificial, artificial intelligence or AI for sure. Um, and actually there is deep fake imagery as well as kind of videos manipulated, as you mentioned earlier on social media. I think all of that kind of, you know, the the misinformation, the fake news side of things and the AI is making it quite a, challenging world to live in to be able to elicit what's truth and what's not yeah definitely I think fake news or exaggerated news is really difficult to ignore and then people then have to search extra hard for the truth and I think the onus is on us actually you know if Mm -hmm. we if we're saying that the mainstream media is is quite difficult at times to decipher what is the truth we it, it it falls on us basically to seek the truth ourselves Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just to give an example, perhaps about mm-hmm. Brexit, I think this is quite a clear example of how the public can be uh, manipulated into making huge decisions based on whether it's media campaigns, which weren't really run with full honesty or integrity, has been shown in hindsight now. Um, and like unverified reports can also lead to huge political decisions. Um, in, and in the worst case scenarios, in, in conflict and in war, this can also lead to huge loss of life as well at the very highest of, of state levels. Yeah, I think this is something to con- take into consideration. This concept of fake news is very damaging. Yep, absolutely. And so, you know, the and the power of words, the power of, you know, just um, uh, headlines and, um, you know, what can be shared, especially on social media, it's just kind of short quotes, that things can be misconstrued and misunderstood, misinterpreted. And I think the power of words is something that, um, you know, it's it's important that we, we not just choose our words carefully, but just think about the importance of the language. Um, yeah. So in times of war and conflict, you know, what do you think is the importance of language? I think language can be used as a weapon of war, as mm-hmm. you mentioned. I mean, misleading an entire body of people by either spreading rumours or making allegations, maybe without evidence or doctoring evidence to favour a certain position or viewpoint is very, very damaging. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one example of this might be during the time of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, mm-hmm. peace be upon him, mm-hmm. when his wife Aisha was accused of falsely of some wrongdoing. And then a verse of the Holy Quran was revealed in chapter 49, which says, and I'll just quote a short piece of it, it says, avoid much suspicion, for suspicion in some cases is a sin, and spy not, neither backbite one another. And I think this is quite a strong example, but the um, 
the, the the imagery is clear of how important it is and also the um the consequence of not speaking uh sort of plainly or or in a straightforward manner is bystandership so mm-hmm. it actually sometimes people don't want to raise their opinions or voice their opinions and some people choose to stay silent instead um and that's also quite a damaging thing especially when um in times of war or conflict when we should be using our voices to promote peace in the best possible way mm-hmm. um and also looking beyond uh otherizing language you know pro- propaganda um to make out certain groups or or groups of people to be subhuman or to be seen as lesser than others that that's an extreme damaging thing and that always leads up to war or is it also a weapon of war as well um mm-hmm. this language when language is weaponized yeah um, so yeah i think there is a there's a very fine line between the freedom of speech and also the freedom to abuse when it comes to language and not hurting and disrespecting the sentiments of other people as well absolutely no absolutely i i think it's something that um in some ways uh not enough emphasis can sometimes be given on that as well and um especially in i suppose in uh on social media or in um, news uh, stories as well particularly that can be in multiple different languages that you might be especially if you're bilingual that you might receive yeah. in, in different languages actually um how uh, detrimental some of the language that can be used can be um not just in terms of how informed how you're taking away that information but how it makes you feel you know mm-hmm. and i think um sometimes words can be used as you as you said that can otherize people in, a, in other contexts words can be used that um you know make you your affect your mental health perhaps as well that um you know make you trigger you or make you upset um and i think that sometimes not enough um attention is given to that depending on what sort of um agenda that a a, a particular organization news organization might have um it could be quite hurtful um we've seen that lately um as well i suppose in in our political sphere as well how actually um harsh language language which can be upsetting to others has been used um and it's kind of been misused as well uh, which creates division uh, between people yeah very damaging yep absolutely um as listeners um I'm, I'm hopefully familiar by now we are um Ahmadi muslims uh, who believe in the promised messiah hazrat mr ghulam ahmed on whom be peace the reformer and prophet who was foretold to come in the latter days to unite mankind under the banner of islam and we are known as the Ahmadi muslim community and only the muslim community the only muslim community where caliphate has been re-established. We're led by the current spiritual head of the worldwide Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the fifth successor, His Holiness, Hazrat Mr. Masur Ahmed, and may Allah be his helper. Um, and that, that's somebody who we turn to for guidance and um, who has get offered so much guidance, as we've mentioned, and, and hopefully we'll share um, throughout the show as well. Um, so, Melissa, what do you think our faith teaches us when it comes to judging the truth? How do consumers make that judgment? I think one important point would be um, not being suspicious or mm-hmm. or suspecting people without due um, due cause, um, but also having a balance between that and being inquisitive and seeking knowledge and yeah. and trying to get towards the truth. I think that's yeah. it's a middle way. It's a middle path. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. 
Absolutely. I think Islam encourages us, um, you know, because not just encourages us, it, discourage, it discourages us discourages us I suppose um, you know from thinking ill of others um, and and kind of being suspicious as you mentioned um, but also there is this kind of empowerment to seek you know knowledge find out more learn more ask each other questions as well um, to be able to elicit you know what is um, not just truth but you know what is their viewpoint you know and to create those kind of genuine relations between one another as well and it's really important um, the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings of God be upon him, you know, has, has has mentioned about speaking truth even when it's bitter. Uh, it's really an obligation on us, you know, to as Muslims to um, speak truth. Um, and even in our conditions of uh, birth, um, the conditions that we adhere to as Ahmadi Muslims, um, there are there are ten conditions, and even in those conditions as well, it's it's mentioned about the importance of um, making sure that we keep away from falsehood, cruelty, mischief, and rebellion, and um, that we don't. Um, uh, use our uh, language or um, have any actions which can affect others, uh, you know, who that will hurt others. Um, so it's really important that um, we, we, we reflect on those. And the conditions of birth is, are not something which have just been created um, just by the MDMS community. They've, they are, um, you know, uh, conditions which are taken from the teachings of the Holy Quran and from the teachings of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace, be, peace and blessings of God be upon him, to be able to guide us, to give us that structure in in how we are um, called to, to being, um, uh, especially being part of this community. So moving forwards, uh, Melissa, what do you think Islam calls us to do when it comes to presenting an account of what's happened? Um, and I know in recent times um, we've seen the conflict as well between um, Israel and Palestine. And, you know, there's lots um, which has been on the news and lots of news stories which have been really upsetting and um, and things which we're seeing things and we're hearing things which um, are impacting um, everyone, absolutely everybody. Did you want to share uh, more about perhaps you know what what Islam calls us to to do when it comes to um, presenting an account of what what's happening? Yeah, I mean it is an extremely harrowing situation, and His Holiness the Caliph, as you mentioned before, Mirza Masri Ahmed, um, His Holiness, he has spoken out multiple times on on this particular um, tragic uh, series of events which has happened between Israel and, and Palestine. And I'm just going to quote um, something that he said very recently. He said, and I quote, Western media, on the one hand, exaggerates certain news, and on the other, sidelines certain stories. And he continues, true justice requires presenting all scenarios and facts. Then let the world decide who the oppressor is, who the oppressed are, how justifiable this war is, and where it should end. The entire situation should be laid out for the world instead of one-sided coverage. And I'm just going to end quote. And um, I think this is such an important principle um, mm. that His Holiness has drawn on quite a few points in such a succinct way um, about how to um, treat people within a, within a conflict, how to establish peace, how to establish justice. And... Um, he also alludes to um, a chapter in the Holy Quran, um, and this is something that relates to this situation as well in Palestine, Israel, 
and it says, let what let not one people deride another people. This is from mm. the Holy Quran, chapter 49. I think this is a very important point. Um, as the cycle of violence continues, um, I think this is an important point to make, perhaps. Yeah, um, I, I agree. And the um, it reminds me, actually, because uh, uh, as I mentioned, on, on in terms of the conditions of birth, it reminds me of another condition of birth, the fourth condition of birth. And I'll read that out. That under the impulse of any passions, he, she um, shall cause no harm whatsoever to the creatures of Allah in general and Muslims in particular, neither by his or her tongue, nor by his or her, uh, her hands, nor by any other means. And I think reflecting on this condition and the one that I, I mentioned earlier as well in terms of not spreading falsehood, cruelty and mischief, you know, these um, these are really challenging times at the moment. Um, and as we've talked about language as well earlier, it's really important that through all of our actions, through our words, through how we may want to um, speak to one another about the situation as well, um, the current situation or any situation, especially when it comes to conflict, it's important to to really reflect on, you know, are we acting on an impulse in any way? It's what we're going to say. Is it going to harm anybody? Um, is it going to create that hurt, you know, or hurtful feelings for anyone else? Because as Muslims, we're called to make sure that we uh, check ourselves first and we reflect on what we're, we're, we're saying. So we're not hurting anybody by our language and through our tongue, but also not through our actions as well. Um, and I think, you know, looking at, well, Thinking back to what we've been speaking about in terms of speaking truth um, and how actually uh, the media can be informative for us, um, that kind of publicity, um, you know, is is oxygen for a lot of the, the publicity that um, that you can get through the media, um, that publicity that, you know, perhaps is on or the news on. Uh, conflict can can is the oxygen to be able to um, sometimes fuel conflict as well. So it's really really important that we know, um, you know, if especially if we're working in a particular sector, or if we're in journalism, that we're thinking about how far-reaching our actions are as well. Um, on that note, I'm going to share a clip from the National Peace Symposium of 2016. Um, where His Holiness, Hazrat Mizam Musur Ahmed, the current uh, head um, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, you know, uh, mentions about um, how actually it's really important that um, in Islam uh, for us to be able to establish um, justice through truth um, and actually that the media has a role to play in that. So I'm just going to play that clip for us now. Over the years, I have made these points time and time again and have highlighted these core Islamic teachings. I have re repeatedly quoted the Holy Quran to prove that what I am saying is based on Islam's authentic teachings. However, it remains that our peaceful and inclusive message is not covered extensively in the media. Whilst, on the other hand, those relatively few people involved in brutality and uh, carnage are given non-stop worldwide media coverage and attention. There is no doubt that the media plays a huge role in influencing public opinion. And so, the media should use this power responsibly as a force for good and as a force for peace. It should show the world 
what true Islam represents rather than focusing on the merciless acts of minority. Publicity. So I'm going to pause it there. And I think His, His Holiness has been quite clear in that, in terms of that responsibility that the media has. Um, and actually, as we said earlier, sometimes it's not about what we hear, it's about what we don't hear um, and the coverage of what isn't um, necessarily um, mentioned or recognised. And um, it's really important, I suppose, for media outlets to understand that power that they have to um, kind of responsibly um, share messages and educate and to be a force for good um, and, a, and a force for peace as well. Moving forward, um, recently we've been witness to the works of international organizations uh, through the media and we've heard about them through the media as well. So we've seen how they work during the times of conflict and, they, and I think it's really important that we understand um, if they are there to um, establish truth and justice. Melissa, did you want to reflect on that? Yeah, I think there's been lots of different bodies that have been set up to ensure that people are held to account um, there's prevention on acts of genocide, even though secular organisations have created frameworks, sometimes uh, they don't uphold themselves through them. So there are organisations such as the United Nations and peacekeeping organisations, um, mm -hmm. which were established post-World War II, um, the International Criminal Court as well, we can see on the global stage, has a key role um, in in administering justice on a global scale mm -hmm. um, and I think the United Nations as a whole well it was formed to promote global peace and worldwide fairness and justice and to stop the world from entangling into another world war once mm -hmm. again um, but if we look to current day um, it doesn't seem to be working because of the power of veto uh, as one example mm -hmm. um, I mean, if justice is a core principle and a core objective, there shouldn't be a reason that it, there should be no reason why why it shouldn't work. But if people came together for the good of humanity without any sort of vested interests or geopolitical goals, mm. then that that is the ideal scenario, isn't it? But because of the power of veto, um, which was very recently, um, you know, at the time of recording this, um, calls for a ceasefire. Um, with the ongoing situation mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. Israel-Palestine, um, the calls for ceasefire was was issued. However, because of the power of the veto, this was rejected and this was blocked. So when we can see these blocks are forming um, between different nations on the basis of geopolitical interests, mm -hmm. that's that's actually the underpinning of, of what is undermining this concept of absolute justice in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that reminds me actually of, um, and I'll share this quote um, for of the National Peace Symposium in 2017, which um, are, all the peace symposiums and the speeches from the National Peace Symposiums are actually collated in the book called Gold, Golden Principles of Justice and Peace um, by um, His Holiness Ms. Masrur Ahmed. Um, and I encourage our listeners to to have a look at um, but what you've just said, Minister, I think, um, was also picked up in, in that particular peace symposium. And uh, His Holiness mentioned that, and he quoted um, in an article published by the New York Times, the former United Nations Assistant Secretary General, Anthony Bambury, wrote, um, and I quote, I love the United Nations, but it's failing. There is too much bureaucracy and little result. Too many decisions are made for political reasons rather than following the values and objectives of the U UN or by facts on the ground. For the UN to continue and prosper, it needs a complete overhaul. And so 
an outside panel should examine the system and recommend changes, which I think is so interesting. I think from what you've just mentioned as well, this was made, this point was made in 2017. Um, and we're in 2023 and we're, we're, you know, we're realizing and understanding, um, the enormous, uh, responsibility on the UN, but actually how, uh, in many respects, it, it's not being able to fulfill them necessarily. Um, there's been many wars in the past century, and most of us um, you know, have known very little time of global peace. Um, we get most of our information, as we've said, on the news. Do you think that the news should be our sole source of information to stay up to date uh, with what's happening? Or do you think as citizens we have the duty to do more? And if so, how? I think um, as a previous uh, religious studies teacher, I think the key point here is education. There's mm-hmm. so much available um out there online and otherwise and it's I don't personally feel like it's an excuse for someone to say that they don't know enough about something mm-hmm. either to comment or to have a stance on a particular issue um I think it's really important to be informed um and if you don't know enough about something then it's quite easy to do some research or to just talk to the people around you about it talk to your peers about it what are their opinions what mm-hmm. kind of research can you do to to further your own knowledge on a particular issue mm-hmm. um I mean, religious studies doesn't happen as often as it should within school. Not mm-hmm. time to do it on the curriculum. I think I spoke about this before as well. And it's such a shame because yeah. the cost of that is because people are basically growing up not knowing how to hear other perspectives or how to engage in dialogue and how yeah. to debate and how to articulate themselves on global issues, which are often sensitive, often very polarizing. Um, mm. But it's okay. Like to, It's okay to have the humility of admitting that you might not be very informed on on a particular issue, um, but then actually doing something about it is is the main thing. And having that opportunity to research and discuss, and Absolutely. having the safe space to do that is really important. You know, to ask this, what you might think is a silly question. Um, as adults, you know, maybe there's there's less opportunity for that without judgment. But it is an extremely important thing to have that. Um, you know, to research and have as long as you have good and open, you know, good good hearted intentions and open an open mind. Um, and you ask things in a respectful way. I think, you know, generally that's very well received and wanting to learn more goes a long way. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think I wouldn't be where I am as as a university chaplain if that wasn't the case, because RE was definitely not my strong subject at school. I can say that much for sure. (laughs) Um, I don't know if I particularly enjoyed RE either. Um, Maybe that's why it wasn't. Um, But uh, over the years, though, I've, um, I suppose, set my own goals in terms of being um, using my time to, uh, to not just travel, but also to go and meet people in different communities, go to different places of worship, not just learn from the textbook, but actually spend time with people from yeah. uh, different uh, faith backgrounds, but also people of no faith at all as well, because we've got so much. Actually, when we spend time together, we realize we've got in common that, and that is which is different. And that's, you know, it's, okay. it's, it's the actual principle um, of Islam as well. Is to, like I said earlier as well, it's actually in the Holy Quran um, in chapter three, verse 65, come to a word equal between us and you. And so find ways to be able to, um, you know, uh, bridge those uh, gaps, lower those barriers um, and, you know, find ways to be able to agree with one another to go forward and celebrate those differences as well. It's really important, really important. It's not sure, I suppose, when a person feels a sense of injustice or wrongdoing that we might experience, uh, elicits and evokes emotions of frustration and pain. Um, and, you know, we've talked about conflict as well. We know that it's a troubling time as well for for many reasons. 
you know, as we know, this can often um, add fuel to an already burning fire if, pe- if people don't handle properly, um, you know, what they say and, um, and their actions, um, particularly at a time of war or conflict. So, Melissa, what do you think is then the right thing to do if a person feels wrong by another party or even by, you know, perhaps their own uh, leaders or their own peers? I think often um, prayer is used as a last resort when um, mm. all else has been done, people pray. But actually, I would say as a first resort, we should pray as people of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is something very relevant now as it was, you know, centuries ago. Um, and I'm going to use the example of a prophet, Prophet Joseph, Joseph, mm-hmm. peace be upon him, um, who from an Islamic perspective is a really good example for this because he went through many injustices in his own life. He underwent many challenges. He was abandoned by his own brothers, sold as a slave. He was imprisoned for false allegations that were laid against him. But eventually it was actually the strength of prayer and time Mm -hmm. um, and um, divine um, intervention from God and true dreams that he received from God that gave him hope that Mm -hmm. he would get past whatever hardship he faced. And eventually he actually became reinstated as uh, the second most powerful person in in the land of Egypt at that time, um, and then justice was eventually served because he he forgave his brothers when he was in that position of power. He chose not to punish them for what they'd done or to seek retribu- retribution for what they'd done, but he he chose a path of forgiveness, having having had the upper hand in that position. Um, mm. I think this is a really important point because um, it's an example of how someone has to stop but any sort of violence or conflicts there has to be someone who says this is enough and there has to be and and often it has to be the uh, there is it's said as having the upper hand for example as an as an example to be able to say that enough is enough it must stop we must end this um and i think this is an example of that yeah yeah absolutely and islam teaches us that as well that you can have, uh, you can take action, um, and you know, with all action, prayer should be part and parcel of that. <clears throat> Pardon me. Yeah. Um, but also, actually, forgiveness as well. If you can, if you can forgive, um, mm-hmm. and I suppose that feeling of forgiveness only comes with prayer as well, because you've got to have faith in something, something greater than you, that will actually hold um that situation or that individual accountable um yeah. that actually gives you the um the confidence and the courage to be able to forgive too um so i think prayer is part and parcel because that's what that's what i suppose um supports your and nourishes your faith um and having that faith um you know that you you can make a decision about um not um um going after going for revenge or retribution but actually forgiving um and actually that might lead to a positive outcome you're listening to pathway to peace on the voice of islam radio station and today we're discussing establishing truth as a prerequisite to peace how as um sabiha how can we as the public when we see an injustice um or injustices what can we actually do to voice our concerns um okay so i think that uh, there's there's various things that I think that we can do, um, and I think we are doing as well, even um, in current times, um, and in the past during conflict as well. Um, the word jihad often gets used quite a lot in media, um, and recently as well, it, it gets used. And it's the meaning of the word jihad. It's really important to mention is is to strive um, or to struggle to reform oneself. 
And it's not the violent jihad, which sometimes um, gets portrayed in the media, because that goes against the teachings of Islam. Uh, the promised Messiah, um, on whom be peace, the founder of the Amdi Muslim community, promoted jihad of the pen, which is informing others uh, through writing and using your voice to educate others. Um, so that in recent times has also been um, carried out by writing to MPs um, and the monarch, the king, um, as a nationwide campaign that the members of the Amdi Muslim community were um, part encouraged to do, um, especially in current in the current uh, conflict um, uh, with uh, the the situation in Israel and Palestine. You know, even our young youngsters have written to the MPs. Um, you know, youngsters from age seven onwards. Uh, it's really important uh, to uh, kind of for us as Ahmadi Muslims to fulfill that uh, concept of um, and the belief in in uh, turning to the pen to be able to uh, write and communicate our message. Writing articles has also happened as well um, in the in on social media. Um, the hashtag Voices for Peace um, campaign was also launched, um, and it was also launched Parliament. Um, and it's, it was to encourage the uh, the world to speak out against global injustices and call for peace as well. Um, in other ways, there's interfaith groups and community meetings that in a way encourage to be part of. Um, so if we're experiencing, if we're seeing injustices, um, it's important not to suffer in silence, um, to speak to others. As you, Melissa, have mentioned, uh, you know, time and time again, it's important to talk to one another, learn more about each other, but also, you know, kind of open up about what you're experiencing and speak to family speak to friends and and you know kind of any interfaith groups as well um you know the, it reminds me of a hadith of the holy prophet muhammad peace and blessings of god be upon him who mentioned that whosoever of you sees an evil let him change it with his hand so with his actions and if he is not able to do so then let him let him change it with his tongue and if he is not able to do so, then with his heart. And that's the weakest of faith. And that's taken from a uh, Muslim. It's really important, therefore, you know, as Ahmadi Muslims, we understand that um, it's important to find ways to be able to do something. Um, and, you know, whether that's writing, whether that's speaking, whether that's, you know, um, you know, sharing parts of what you think is the pathway to peace, um, to do that with your the wider community. Yeah, I think there was um just in addition to what you said about the interfaith networks, um and getting getting people together, um the Emir of the Holy Lands called Muhammad Sharif Ode, um he had a gathering uh, of addressing over six hundred mainly Jewish and Muslim people in Haifa in Israel, um mm -hmm. and this was widely shared on social media, so it was quite a popular post and um common knowledge. I think a lot of people know about it. Um, and he said, I'm just going to quote something he said in one of his addresses at, at that event. He said, it is haram, unlawful, to kill civilians and innocent people. This is not the right way. There are other solutions without weapons. Mm. And he goes on and continues. Muslims and Jews should know that not speaking up in the face of oppression destroys the human feelings in our hearts and stops us from feeling empathy towards the pains and suffering of each other. And I think that's that's summarizes perhaps much of our show. That's um, really moving. about having empathy. It is. It is very moving. Really moving. It really is. You know, we can do. Um, as I said, we can have those actions. We can, um, speak to one another. But above all, um, you know, as Abdullahis, we believe that the most effective way, um, is is through prayer. Um, His Holiness, um, Mr. Mr. Ahmed, you know, has mentioned to us time and time again the importance of focusing on our prayers um, and has encouraged us all to kind of in our daily prayers as well to dedicate time 
um, you know, in our sojourners, in our prostrations, uh, to praying for the the global situation, um, and that you know, God Almighty above all um, uh, has, you know, has um, can be called upon to to help us um, and to uh, you know lift um, the dark clouds which are, which are over us at the moment. Um, in Surah Nisa, verse sixty, it's mentioned, "O you who believe, obey Allah." and obey his messenger and those who are in authority among you. And if you differ in anything among yourselves, refer it to Allah and his messenger. If you are believers in Allah and the last day, that is best and most commendable in the end. Thank you, Melissa. Um, so to summarize, we've spoken about the importance of the media presenting um, and speaking accurately, the need for the truth, the role of language and its power to affect change. And we've also spoken about our responsibilities in ensuring we're striving towards establishing peace. You know, surely we can understand that truth is the pathway to peace. Um, Melissa, any final reflections from you? Yeah, I think there's just a couple of Quranic verses that I'd like to share, which kind of mm -hmm. encompass the show. Um, first, the first one, verily Allah enjoins justice and the doing of good to others and giving like kindred and forbids indecency and manifest evil and wrongful transgression. He admonished you that you might take heed. Uh, this is from chapter 16. Um, and the final one that I would say is, um, and when you speak, observe justice, even if the concerned person be a relative. And this is chapter six. Um, and I think both of those things, the, the underlining principle of, of absolute justice and speaking the truth, um, irrespective of, of who or in what circumstance, I think is, is the moral, I think, for the, mm -hmm. for the show. Yeah. And, you know, it's with that truth, um, and the, and it will hopefully, uh, be the mechanism for us to be able to, um, established justice as well um is that actually it leads to that kind of um process of reconciliation as well so to be able to make um you know that positive uh, for, to be able to kind of reach that stage of re reconciliation it's really important that we speak the truth and that the truth is established as well um as definitely Muslims, we, um, you know, we believe in the promised Messiah, um, and whom be peace. And, um, I want to share an excerpt from a book that he wrote, uh, called The Message of Peace, um, which was written, um, uh, just before he, he, he passed. Um, and the quote says, if one is beset with a calamity, the other will inescapably share it. If either one intends to humiliate the other out of egoistic pride or vanity, then it will not escape the consequent disgrace itself. And if anyone among them falls short of showing concern for his neighbor, then he too will suffer the ill effect of, its callous of his callousness. Anyone who contemplates annihilation of the other is like one who saws off the branch on which he is sitting. With the grace of Allah, you have also got a measure of education. It behoves you now to eschew grudge and promote mutual love. Similarly, the dictates of your wisdom require that you abandon the course of callousness and adopt an attitude of compassion and sympathy. I think this is such an important um, uh, paragraph and um excerpt from this book because it just reminds us actually that you know we've all got that responsibility um and that actually we um we need to reflect on ourselves and uh, it's important that we find ways to be able to promote mutual love between one another 
Um, and the holy prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him, has also said to us, a Muslim is the one who avoids harming Muslims with his tongue and his hands. It's really important that we find uh, positive ways to be able to love each other um, and spread that message of love for all and hatred for none as well as we do as Afghan Muslims. Um, uh, but it's a message that many people, um, you know, who've attended particularly our um, national peace symposiums as well, you know, have, have reminded each other of as well that it's a message that we can all adopt, uh, love for all, hatred for none. Now, only for time reasons, we need to end here. Uh, thank you to our listeners for staying with us on this journey of discovery. And thank you, Melissa, for helping us to get there. If you would like to join the discussion, please tweet us, Voice of Islam UK, using the hashtag VOIPeace. You can find all the resources and references in the show on www.alislam.org. Until next time, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you.